First Samuel chapter two and verse twenty six. See if this sounds familiar from another passage. Now, the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with men. Let us begin in prayer. Let's bow together as we look to the word. Lord, we desire to grow, to grow into everything that you want for us, to grow into the people, the men and women, the boys and girls, older, younger. We want to grow into the people that you want us to be. We pray that our time in your word, even this day, would help us to that end. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The third chapter of First Samuel continues much in the similar vein in the 19th verse. Thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words Fail. As you look to human history, you will look to the course of humans growing. Not all the same, not all identical. Some, as was mentioned uh, even already this morning, different physical characteristics. Of old, you can look to those who had stature far beyond ours. Of old, you could look to those who died quite a bit younger than many die now. But throughout human history, the history of humans is the history of growth. The the bigger question, though, should be how ought we to grow? How ought we to grow? And as we consider our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I would like to invite us to consider our Savior and his childhood and think together on how we might follow in growing as he desires for us to grow. For if we grow in ways other than the Lord desires us to grow, surely we will be the ones to be in want. We will be the ones lacking. Might we look to our Lord to grow as he desires us to grow. And so I invite you to turn to Luke 2, which is probably where you thought we were going. We are there now. Uh, Luke 2. And in moments, we will consider some of the text there. But first, one of the poets on our Savior, Jesus Christ. A simple-hearted child was he, And he was nothing more. In summer days, like you and me, he played about the door. Or gathered when the father toiled the shavings from the floor. And when the sun at break of day crept in upon his hair, I think it must have left a ray of unseen glory there. A kiss of love. On that little brow for the thorns that it must wear. I wonder 
Does that text appropriately present the Savior Jesus Christ in his childhood to us? As you think on who Jesus was as a child, playing at the door like you and me, nothing more? Should should we be seeing in our mind's eye an idyllic version of sentimentalized childhood? Is that how we should think of our Savior? Or consider some of the uh, non-inspired Gospels, the apocryphal Gospels as they're sometimes known. The Gospel of Thomas is especially poignant on this on this theme. Uh, speaking of that which supposedly our Savior did, and some of it he certainly did not, um, but the, the point in the apocryphal gospel, uh, the gospel of St. Thomas, uh, is that uh, Christ was rather a normal child, except with supernatural uh, deity abilities. And so um, it presented not, uh, not as the, uh, the calm and passive, the, the easy to parent child, but presented rather as quite the handful. Uh, if he got upset with his, with his friends playing, uh, too bad for his friends, and some would end up dead. Uh, if you read, read St. Thomas, uh, the Gospel according to St. Thomas. Um, other other uh, interesting things that you know about from the Gospel according to St. Thomas. So maybe you don't know that when he went to Egypt, uh, Jesus fled to Egypt because of uh, the persecution. When he went to Egypt, uh, dragons came and adored him. Dragons came and adored him, along with leopards and panthers, etc. And this is this is at least part of where we get the tradition in. Uh, in painting and in artistry about Jesus, of the ox and the ass adoring our Savior. Okay? But how should we think about what our Savior did in growing as a child? Uh, or more appropriately, maybe, the first question that we'll, we'll just think on briefly is, why does the scripture tell us so little about Jesus as a child? Why does the scripture tell us so little about Jesus as a child? Consider uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 40. Luke chapter 2 and the 40th verse. The child continued to grow and became become strong, increasing in wisdom and grace, and the grace of God was upon him. Here, what Luke is doing is given a summary verse of the growth of Jesus as a child up to age 12. Because the, the next verses are going to explain that in preparation for becoming an adult, an adult male in Israelite society at age 13, what we think of when we think of the bar mitzvah, in preparation for becoming an adult, one of the responsibilities that Joseph the father would have had is to expose Jesus to all that was required and obligated of him as a Jewish child, as a Jewish man. And so he's taken, apparently for the first time, 
to visit Jerusalem and to visit the temple. And so you have this summary statement of his 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 growth. Uh, barely anything said before age, age 12. So he, from from age of uh, from his birth until here, age 12, this summary statement, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. He goes and he visits Jerusalem and after he visits Jerusalem and all the exciting events, at least exciting in terms of his parents' uh, concerns, uh, exciting events that happened there in the end of Luke chapter 2. Then you get in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, another summary. We're covering another large portion of Jesus' life. Probably uh, it should be expected that we're thinking about 18 years. So the first 12 years of his life mentioned in Luke 2 and verse 42, and then uh, verse 40, excuse me, and then in verse 52, another 18 years. This is the, this is the extent of what we have from the time of him, his visit to Jerusalem to the time of him beginning his ministry. And here is the summary. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So we know about Jesus being circumcised, his mother uh, going to the temple to, to be purified. We know about the Magi coming. Then we have this summary verse, Luke 2 and verse 40 for the first 12 years. And then we have the just ever so brief, right? Verses 41 through 51, those 11 verses. Uh, those verses looking to his visit at age 12 to the temple. And then we have another whole 18 years compressed into one verse. Chapter 2 and verse 52. So then why, why so little information about Jesus, our Savior, as a child? And I think a number of helpful answers could be um, could be su- uh, supposed here. Um, one probably very helpful answer is that this is not the point of Jesus' life. The point of Jesus' life is not his childhood. The point of Jesus' life, as Jesus himself makes clear multiple times over through his ministry, the point of Jesus' life is to go to death, to die for the sins of the world. But I think, just as we could think that there's little in terms of Jesus' childhood, because... Uh, the point of Jesus' uh, a life here isn't uh, to emphasize his physical aspects during his growing years, grow, during his developing years. Uh, just as we might think rightly of the spiritual point of his life, um, so also we might gain some help in thinking that other texts give us some clues as to what was happening in the course of Jesus' years of growth. Uh, So, for example, you find in Luke 4 that he could read, which presupposes that he did what every young child loves to do. He went to school. He's not only reading, but, as John 8 makes clear, he's able to Right. He learns to read and to write. 
furthermore, in Mark chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, he is called the carpenter, which presupposes that he learned what from his father? The whole trade of his father. And so you, you have these hints as to the, the fact that no, these, these years, these 30 some years of Jesus' life are not absent of activity, but that rather they are activity in preparation for his greater activity. And, and I think that if we just consider that aspect of why we have so little in the scripture, that we might be helped. That we might be helped in terms of thinking about our growth. So for those who are still young, i.e. under 30, okay, you had to be 30 years old to be a, a Jewish priest. Okay, uh, uh, Those who are still young, how might you consider what it is that you can be doing to grow in the manner that the Lord would want you to grow? Well, certainly following the example of our Lord in, in regards to learning and education would not be a, one bad thing to be learning from our Lord. It would be a good thing to be learning from our Lord. But furthermore, if you consider the ways in which the uh, scriptures write about uh, Jesus, even as he visits uh, Jerusalem, you could understand that he is growing in his not just abilities in terms of education, not just abilities in terms of skills, being able to do the work of a carpenter, but his abilities in terms of understanding his relationship to his God, his relationship to his father. Okay, here you have verse 40. First 12 years summarized, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was with him. Here is the grace of God at work in the life of Jesus. For, for us, it would be not just God's grace at work in our life, but God's grace and mercy. Christ, the sinless one, did not need God's mercy. He did need God's grace. And we, like him, need to be dependent on his grace and plead for his mercy, even unlike him. But as he's growing in the grace of God, increasing in wisdom, what is it that we see in these, these, uh, these verses which help us to understand that he understands who he is and what, he, what, his, ob, what his obligations toward his father are? Uh, note the language of the text. As you think about the concerns that, uh, that Mary and Joseph had when they couldn't find him with the caravan returning back from Jerusalem. Verse 48, when they finally, uh, when they finally uh, catch up with him, when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us in this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. You can, you can understand as parents, those who are parents can understand the anxiety. We've been anxiously looking for you. What is Jesus' reply? Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's 
house. He understands the importance of looking to the temple as his father's temple, his father's house. And you can imagine as he goes into the temple for the first time at age 12, being amazed by the the multiplication of the people, the, the multitude of the people coming together, being amazed at the crowds and the throngs. You, you can imagine him coming into his temple and as he uh, goes by those who are changing the money, those who are selling the, the, the animals for sacrifice. You can imagine him being grieved over his father's commands being violated. He, he understood his father's house. He understood his father's, his father's obligations. He understood that Jerusalem was his father's city. As he comes to this house of prayer, he understands that this is his father's house. He understands that he ought to be thinking about the things of his father. Verse 46, the rabbis and the leaders in the temple, they were listening uh, and asking. uh, Jesus is listening to them and asking them questions. And verse 47, all who heard him, that is Jesus, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. He's been growing in his knowledge of the father and his knowledge of how to serve the father. Growing in those ways. And so the question for us would be, how are we doing at growing in those ways? Furthermore, I think if we ask the question, why so little about Jesus' childhood? And we see that there are little glimpses of answers. Uh, we could further see that there are glimpses of answers to be had as we consider what Jesus does in his teaching ministry. So, for example, consider that Jesus grows up in Nazareth. He shall be called a Nazarene, growing up in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was a part of Galilee that is the backwater of Israelite society. The, the, the rural nowhere place. But consider Nazareth. Nazareth on, on the hill, of the, the whole valley, of the Jezreel Valley there laid out in front of Nazareth. And as you look from that hill into the valley and to the mountains beyond, you could see all manner of things which as a Jewish boy would remind you of many of the great happenings and Jewish events that have gone before. So you could consider that as a Jewish boy, he would have known of Elijah's triumph of the prophets of Baal. And he would be able to look from Nazareth, the hilltop, and he would be able to see. Or he could remember the victory that Deborah and Barak had against uh, the, the enemy. Or the Midianites being defeated by Gideon. Or the death of Saul and Jonathan in battle. 
All, all right there in visual eyesight of Nazareth. And, and so it makes sense, Nazareth and his, his inculcation in Jewish history, just by virtue of where he grows up, it makes sense why he, he understands and he loves and he knows the things of his father. Furthermore, you look to Jesus and you look to his parables. And what do you see Jesus speaking of in his parables again and again? Like a mustard seed. Or a, a planter went out to plant. Or the, the fields are white unto harvest. Or a, a, a good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree will bear bad fruit. In Jesus' parables and Jesus' teaching, again and again, Jesus comes back to agricultural themes. This would have been, uh, make all the sense in the world. This would have been obvious for, for someone growing up in Nazareth. Nazareth is an agricultural uh, uh, place. Nazareth is reliant on the agriculture that they get from the valley there at the bottom of the hill. Or consider this, and this, this I mean especially to be a, a challenge for those of you who are 20 and younger. Jesus goes through his ministry. And as Jesus goes through his ministry, again and again, when he's teaching, he quotes the word of God. You come to the beginning of Jesus' ministry and he's tempted by Satan. And what does he do? We all know, right? If you've, if you've heard preaching, you know what Jesus does in his temptation. How does he respond to the Satan's temptation? He responds by quoting the scriptures. Why is it that Jesus knows, has memorized the word of God? Why is it that he loves the word and wants to share the word with others? Why is it that he loves the word and wants to apply the word in his life and the life of others? Well, at least this is true. He took time to memorize God's word. He took time to memorize God's word. The, the, the Greek word for wisdom is the word for skill. The word for skill. And certainly, Jesus was increasing in wisdom, in skill, physically. Learning to read, learning to write, learning to do all that was required as a carpenter. But we ought not to forget the skill, the, the application of, of, of his own time and diligence the skill of learning the things of God, putting them into our hearts and lives so that they might overflow to be a blessing for ourselves and others. And, and as, you, as you spend your first five years of life, your first 10 years of life, your first 20 years of life, you know that your mind is sharp. You, you can know that your mind is sharp because of how uh, nicely you do at uh, trying to trick other people into that your mind isn't sharp when it's convenient. Right? 
Your mind, God has given, and one of the ways you can grow in wisdom is doing exactly what Jesus did. As he's growing in wisdom with God, and man, as he's growing in in wisdom with God in stature, he he, he is certainly inculcating the word of God into his life. Might, Might that be you? And then take the next 20 years and review. And take the next 20 years after that and seek to share those things with others. Might we be those who by the grace of God are advancing, increasing in wisdom and stature. I think as we think on the things that we can learn from Christ's life, some things we can learn from the absence of what's spoken in terms of his childhood, but consider what is said and what is stated. So three things from this text. Uh, The text of uh, verse 40 and 52 of chapter 2 of Luke. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom. One, One of the aspects of Jesus' growth is this increase in wisdom to which we've already referred. The question for us, how are we doing at growing in wisdom? The, the book of Proverbs is ex, ex, explicitly clear. Um, the, the wisdom is grown how? By the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So how are you doing? How am I doing at understanding the fear of God? Learning the things that would help cultivate the fear of God in our lives. When, when you uh, go to the word of God... Day by day. Is that a habit for you? When you go to the word of God day by day. What are you doing to ask the Lord? Lord, teach me from your word. Lord, help me not to do this just as a habit. But help my heart to be in love with the, the, your fear. The fear of you. That I might learn and grow in wisdom. If the Proverbs speak of the fear of God being the fount of wisdom, uh, the book of James is clear that if we are going to have wisdom, it comes from God. It's a gift from above. And so we need to be those who go forth in life seeking those opportunities where we can imbibe the word of God, where we can ingest the word of God. Not, Not going about and looking as though in a mirror and then going our way and forgetting, but bringing that mirror of the word of God, that, that food of, of the word of God into our lives, and then growing by it, changing by it, being shaped by it. Wisdom comes from above. Might we seek that God would be kind in giving us that increase in wisdom. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom. Verse 52, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom. If we're going to follow the explicit, the clear teaching of the word of God here, in, in how we ought to grow, we ought to be those who are pursuing wisdom. Further, we need to be pursuing wisdom in reliance upon the grace of God. 
in reliance upon the grace of God. He's increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. I think something uh, uh, slightly different is happening in verse 52, where it says that Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. But certainly to have God's kindness being showered upon us, to understand our dependence on God, something that Jesus himself very clearly evidences as he goes throughout his ministry he doesn't do his miracles in his own power, but he does his mer- the miracles that he does in whose power? The power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus himself relying on God. Might we be those who recognize that we need the grace of God? If the grace of God was upon Jesus and he is fully man and fully God himself, If Jesus as a man needs God's grace, how much more do we need God's grace? Thus, Paul, in all of his letters, the grace of God be with you. Might we rely on the grace of God? Thirdly, lastly, From verse 52, Jesus is increasing in wisdom. Jesus is relying on the grace of God. Thirdly, verse 52, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. As God looks on his son, he is able, as Jesus goes through those waters of John's baptism, he's able to supernaturally, miraculously, and powerfully proclaim from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus was cultivating his relationship with his father. Jesus was pursuing a cultivation of his relationship with his father. Now, this isn't to the to the neglect of his relationship with others. But our relationship with others is helped most. When we focus on our relationship with our Lord. You'll never be able to be a blessing to others as you're not focusing on being in right relationship with the Lord. He's increasing in favor with God and men. He's seeking to cultivate his relationship, God's favor, God looking with kindness on him. As you go through life, are you putting into place the habits Are you putting into place the the familiar things that will be honoring to the Lord? That the Lord could say, that is favorable to me. She is favorable to me. He is favorable to me. He's cultivating wisdom, relying on my grace, seeking my favor. 
would be the, the view of my face upon them. Might that be us? Jesus is doing this spiritually. Jesus is doing this physically. Jesus kept increasing wisdom and stature. Um, reminds me of Paul and Timothy. There's a, there's a small bit of helpfulness uh, in, in physical exercise. But godliness with contentment is great gain. There, there's a blessing in physical exercise and Jesus is growing in stature. But oh, how much more the importance if we're never able to run in the Olympics. If we're never able to be on the winning team, whatever sport we're playing. How much more important that we're growing in favor with God and men. Might we focus on looking to our Lord and looking with joy that our relationship with the Father would be grown. And we would be trusting in the Lord to grow that relationship with him. And that we might even look to our Savior Jesus. And as he is growing, we might follow his example of growth to his glory. Let us Lord, the world around us provides so many distractions and fascinations which can hinder us in following Jesus' example. Lord, I pray that you would help us As the tree needs the nutrients, the minerals from the soil. So we need your word. As the tree needs the buffeting to grow in strength. So we need to trust in you amidst the trials that you bring. And as the tree can only bear good fruit by your kind hand. We pray that we would be like trees by the riverside, abundant in the fruit of your kindness growing from us. We seek to grow, Lord. Help us not to grow in our image, but help us to grow in the image of your Son, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our habit is to close in song. Might we remember our Lord and follow his example? Let us close in song. The Blue Hymnals, number 90. Hark the Herald Angels sing, number 90. We'll stand as we sing in closing. We'll sing the fourth verse, the last verse, a cappella. Adam's likeness now a face, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above. Number 90, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The last verse will sing a cappella. Let's sing together. Hark the Herald.
I invite you as you're able tonight, a special night of Christmas music. I'll love to have you with us as you're able. God bless as you are dismissed. Might you grow in Christ's likeness. Amen.